This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. It's that time of the week, NFL Friday. I am Vinny DeBellis, joined by Dom Capone, Brendan McConnell. Got a lot to talk about. The game of the week, at least it was supposed to be the game of the week, and it lived up to the hype. Chiefs-Chargers last night. Guys, I was super impressed by the Chargers. I, I was doubting them again. They keep having these signature wins. They very quietly were 10-3 and going into the game. And looking, uh, you know, very similar to the way they beat the Steelers a few weeks back in that they came from behind. And, I mean, the question for you guys is, are, are these guys legit? They have the... The stuff to make a Super Bowl run, or are they going to fold again like they always do? It's funny. In, in the beginning of the year, if you told me that the Kansas City Chiefs weren't going to win the division, I would have not believed you at all. But the Los Angeles Chargers are that good. They go for the two-point conversion, which at the time I said don't do it, go into overtime. But looking back on it, they um, they went for it. They knew they were going to get it. Mike Williams was wide open in the end zone, got the two-point conversion, got the win. And now both teams are tied right now. But uh, the Kansas City Chiefs still have that slight edge as they have – the division lead right now but the chargers i'm not counting them out at all yeah and just out of habit like growing up all you know all throughout my childhood they've been the san diego chargers mm-hmm. they kind of had that san diego chargers sort of tendency to come up small in the biggest moments but now for me they're really the los angeles chargers i can really start to <laughs> buy in on them uh the most telling uh portion of the game to me obviously the fourth quarter when when philip rivers and the offense goes down and scores two touchdowns in that big two-point conversion you talked about dom but for me it was that big three and out that they forced on defense first play kansas city hands off they stop him in the backfield three yard loss then a quick uh pass from mahomes that only goes a couple yards plus a kansas city penalty and then they sack mahomes they force a punt defense is fired up they get Philip Rivers and the offense back on the field with, I think they still had at least one or two timeouts to go, um, and really gave their offense a great shot, and, and they took advantage of it. Some questionable officiating down the stretch, uh, and really throughout the whole game, but um, ultimately I think the Chargers deserve to win, uh, especially with the way that they came up big in the fourth quarter. Yeah, if you're going to leave somebody that open on a two-point conversion, they definitely deserve to win that game. The Chiefs... Why did three guys decide to cover Tyrell Williams? I thought he was terrible all night. He couldn't catch the ball. When I first saw I definitely thought there was a pick. I was like, there's no way Mike Williams could get that wide open with no pick. And then looking back on it, it was just a miscommunication. You're right. Three guys guarded one guy, and Mike Williams was wide open. He had a tremendous game. And just going back to that two-point conversion... I feel like Anthony Lynn making that decision, he knew it. Like everyone at home might have been like, no, don't go for two, don't go for two. Um, because if you didn't get it, the Chiefs would have won, won the division, got a bye in the playoffs. But he knew it was going to work somehow, some way. And it's not like they thought about this and thought it over. Because once they scored the touchdown, everyone was putting up the two on their hands, signaling to go for the two-point conversion ended up working. I yep. liked it because they were, they were on the road. They were mm. underdogs. They kind of had that mentality of – if we go to overtime and we're tied with these guys at home, you know, we might lose the coin toss, never touch the ball mm-hmm. there. They have the advantage with the crowd. I liked it for Anthony Lynn to just be aggressive, go for it, and go to his best option all night, which was Mike Williams scoring a few touchdowns, uh, you know, through the air, on the ground, uh, and obviously the big two-point at the end. Yeah, sort of the, the cliches that you always hear. I don't know if you call them cliches or just 
I guess, rules about when you're when you're down one. If you're on the road, you're supposed to go for the two. And then if you're also the worst of the two teams, go for the two as opposed to the one. I, I guess going into the game, they were the underdogs and they were also on the road. So it checks both boxes there, and it worked out for them. Also, they had such momentum going after getting that fourth down. Uh, I think it was a fourth and eight where Rivers just dropped a dime in there. Mm-hmm. And then obviously they, they get a few questionable calls to go their way. And, you know, they had all the momentum in the world going. I think it was definitely the right call to go for two, even if they didn't get it. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, but it, it worked out for them yesterday. But, Brennan, I totally agree that it was the defense that, that won that game. I mean, after seeing how the Chiefs got the start that they got off to, I thought it was going to be another uh, just record-setting Patrick Mahomes night. They get up 14 nothing and they're rolling. And it wasn't like the, the Chargers were bringing bad pressure. They, they were getting to him, but it was just the type of thing Mahomes would escape, and he'd make some play outside the pocket where he somehow was able to do it. It's ridiculous. I, I think there was a play in the first quarter. It was like early in the first quarter, like 12 minutes. And it was a third and four on like the 21 of the Chargers. And he got the ball, and he ran all the way back to like the 45, escaping the pressure, getting out of the pocket, and then getting the first down. And it ended up going uh, and they scored a touchdown later in the drive so just those kind of plays by patty mahomes and he's really really good and notice i call him patty because he deserves to be called patty (laughs) (laughs) well just to go back Vinny, you touched really briefly on the the calls that maybe went the chargers way specifically the uh i don't know if it was defensive holding or pass interference on mike williams in the end zone there to give them first and goal at the one they also had a couple calls that went kansas city's way or i should say really Mm non-calls because uh you mentioned the fourth and eighth fourth and eight to Benjamin Uh, that was a big play but Benjamin made a big catch earlier in the drive I think it was like a 30 yard pass play where he got hit in the helmet by two defenders and then Rivers later hit in the helmet oh that's a good point neither of those got a flag but especially the second one the Rivers one I the Chargers almost melted down right in front of it Mm -hmm. because Rivers got up he's begging for a flag everybody else on the offense goes to whine to the officials I'm like guys you don't have time to whine <laughs> he was like great yeah let's get to the line and you have one time out they ultimately used it after wasting 20 seconds but you got it you got to be more on top of the clock there and really know the situation I when that actually happened I was thinking the same thing because Philip Rivers got up and I obviously he deserved to get that call he got hit in the helmet first he was down it was a late hit and he got hit in the helmet um but he got up, started complaining, and it, I believe there was like 25 seconds at that point. Gets down to 13, then you call a timeout. I, I was, I was in, I couldn't believe it at that time. But then obviously they got a touchdown with like four seconds remaining to Mike Williams, and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> I think as football fans in general, I, I know I was happy, sort of not having a, a dog in the fight yesterday, mm-hmm. rooting for both teams, just to good, good football. I'm glad because that the Chargers won yesterday, just. So that we're going to see the Chiefs and the Chargers both in these final two weeks playing all their guys. Had the Chiefs won, maybe they rest their guys the last week because they're not really playing for as much, having pretty much clinched that bye at that point. But now these guys are going to be fighting for it for these last two weeks. Both would like to go 2-0. and I-, I still am picking the Chiefs to win the division simply because the, the-, the schedule. They it- Look, it's not going to be easy to go into Seattle. Their, their final two games they have... At Seattle and then home against the Raiders. Raiders, obviously, the easier of those two games. But the way Seattle's been playing recently, that by no means is is an easy game. And then I'm pretty sure L.A. the Chargers. That is, I think they have the Rams and I think they have. Check what the last I think it game says is. Baltimore. They're week 16. They're home against Baltimore, and then week 17 at Denver. Okay, so no no Rams. Yeah. So when I'm looking at this, I feel like the Chargers could beat Baltimore and Denver. I think the one question mark can Kansas City go into Seattle? Yeah. And going into the season, no one thought Seattle was that team because I think right now they're standing at eight and five, but. Seattle's really a really tough team, and 
playing in Washington is always a tough place at CenturyLink Field. So Kansas City, they're a great team, but can they go into Seattle and win? The other thing is, if they lose that game, there'll be two losses in a row for the Kansas City Chiefs. Both of them against great opponents, great tough opponents, but where does that put them? And if the Chargers win, um, then it's they have the, obviously, they have the division right there. Because I, I think Chargers go into Denver Week 17, beat them, and even though Kansas City will get the win against Oakland, at that point, the Chargers will have the better record. Yeah, and I didn't have a, a as a fan, I didn't have a direct rooting interest in last night's game, so it was, mm-hmm. it was just a great game to watch, but I am deep down a Patriots fan for <laughs> sure. So I, I, as a Patriots fan, looking at the seeding and how it shook out last night, I was really rooting for the Chargers because I think that the Patriots, if they were to go into Kansas City, would have a much tougher time than if they were to go to, say, Los Angeles, if Los Angeles was able to pull out the division and get that one seed. Um, so I think the Patriots could go on the road to Los Angeles and win because L.A. doesn't really have that home field advantage. It's it's notoriously right now one of the worst uh, home field advantages for the Chargers um, in the whole league, whereas Kansas City is one of the best year in and year out. Um, and even though they've lost, I think it's six consecutive postseason games at home mm-hmm. and 11 of their last 12, the Chiefs, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes, that high-octane offense. It'd be tough to go in there and, and beat them. But if Kansas City does drop one of these last two and the Chargers are able to win out, then Kansas City becomes the five seed, and that totally changes their playoff outlook. Exactly. People just still aren't fe- fearing the Chargers like that. And as much as you may respect them or whatever, it's it's still, I, I guarantee you ask most Pats fans, like, like yourself, no one wants to play the Chiefs. No one wants to face Mahomes as hot as they can be and as explosive as they can be. Anyone who watched that Monday night game against the Rams a few weeks back knows just how, how dangerous that offense can be. I still wouldn't pick against the Pats if I had to sort of give a favorite at this point. But what I'm happy about especially in the AFC, is the parity that we see this year. It's not just New England and then everyone else. You have New England, Chargers, Chiefs, Steelers, all viable teams. The Texans and have been on And even though the run. Texans lost last week against yeah. Indianapolis, they're still right there. That's five contenders, mm-hmm. like legitimate contenders for the AFC, and that's something that we haven't really seen in recent years. So I'm really excited about that and uh, potential matchups that we could see later on. And the NFC playoffs are always interesting, but I'm really excited, particularly this year, about the AFC. So that should be fun to watch we'll get into some other big matchups this week but first it's time for our first fantasy hit the starters or the studs fantasy studs with chris hennessy who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup fantasy playoffs begin this week and jared goff and todd Gurley look to get back on track on sunday night at home against philadelphia they haven't been best bets since their bye week three weeks ago but look for them to bounce back at home. Deshaun Watson, coming off the loss for the first time in nine weeks, matches up against the Jets' defense and let up 101 rushing yards to Josh Allen. To look for Deshaun Watson to have a big day tomorrow. David Njoku looks to have the same success that George Kittle had last week against a beat-up Broncos decor tomorrow night in Denver. Look for Baker Mayfield's favorite target to have a big day in Denver. Now we're going to go to my Jets report before we get into some Jets football. The losing streak is finally over. With Sam Darnold back in action, Gangreen finally delivered last week late against Buffalo. Two Jets touchdowns in the fourth quarter, the second of which came on fourth down, propelled the Jets to their first win since October 14th. Head coach Todd Bowles was happy with the victory, 
But in typical Bowles fashion, he made sure to move on from the win and is completely focused on Saturday's home contest against the Texans. We're trying to win. Obviously, there's some mistakes we're trying to clean up, but we can't take nothing from last week. The last week was last week. We got to win the game on Sunday. And that's, I mean, Saturday, that's the biggest thing we ever do. The Jets will try to make Houston QB Deshaun Watson and the Texans uncomfortable in the chilly New York weather on Saturday. But getting the Texans out of their comfort zone will be difficult, considering they've won nine of their last ten after dropping their first three games of the season. Defensively, the Jets will have their hands full trying to shut down one of the most dangerous tandems in the league in Watson and Hopkins. And offensively, Quincy Anunu will be sidelined Saturday along with Isaiah Crowell, who had a 77-game playing streak going into this weekend. Houston would love nothing more than to add to the two-game cushion they have over Indianapolis and Tennessee in the AFC South standings. The question is whether the Jets will be able to match Houston's level of intensity as they are simply playing the role of spoiler at this point in the season. I see the Jets keeping it close with the home crowd behind them, but I still don't believe Darnold is 100% healthy, and the way the Jets' defense has played recently, I don't think Darnold, with a depleted backfield and receiving core, will be able to score enough to get it done. I'll go Texans 27, Jets 17. Covering the... I'm Vinny DeBellis, WFUV Sports. So without getting into too much of the nitty-gritty in my Jets report this week, so sort of just breaking down that the, the, the bottom line is the Jets have a lot of guys out. Texans are playing for something. The Jets aren't really, even though Houston's not really used to that uh, rainy New York weather that we might see tomorrow. I, I just don't think the Jets are going to have enough to uh, t- take down a team that's, that's playing for as much as the Texans are right now. And... Uh, you know, if if you're a Jets fan, do you even want to win that game? That that's one of the questions I think that's definitely going around. It's a good it's a good question you bring up because last week at Buffalo, the Jets had a chance to lose that game, but Sam Darnold goes on a game winning mm. drive. And I tweeted out at that point, if you're a Jets fan, would you rather lose or win games and have Sam Darnold pr- keep progressing, having good games down down the stretch? And I feel like that's the most important thing because what's the difference in my opinion? Would you rather have Sam Darnold getting better and maybe get the fifth or sixth pick, or are you guys completely tank? Darnold doesn't look good, and you guys get like the second or third pick. I just don't see that big of a difference. I think definitely the last the last few weeks here, the Jets' main goal is is going to be to get Darnold to that next step, at least progressing into his second season. I think a big goal for him personally should be to try and make that that touchdown interception ratio neutral if not positive right now he's at 12 and 15 I think 12 touchdowns to 15 interceptions he should try and get that at least even if not tilted in the touchdown direction obviously um, but definitely making those progressions that game-winning drive last week is going to help his confidence going forward and his progression so that's as a, if you're a Jets fan that should be your takeaway is these last three weeks let's see what Sam Darnold can do who knows if Todd Bowles is going to be the head coach of the future um, but I I totally agree with Dom if you lose a spot or two or even three in the at the top of the draft I think it's worth it if you get progression out of your mm-hmm. franchise quarterback moving forward and you can still get a good pick at number six um, just like the Jets got with Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams like these guys are there the number one pick obviously would be nice but you don't need it if your quarterback's playing well yeah, and just the pride that I see with the guys on the Jets, Bowles, and re- really all the guys on the team, they're never going to try to throw a game. There, there may be decisions coming from above, like to sit Crowell or to have a new one not play this week that 
may hurt the Jets' chances, or, or they just might not be legitimately healthy. I don't want to come off as a conspiracy theorist all the time that, <laughs> that they're trying to blow games, but it may be in their best interest, but at the same time, they're, they're trying to win. Bowles is trying to save his job. He said throughout the year that he's not thinking about whether he's on the hot seat. He just, as long as he still has the job, he's trying to do everything that he can to, to win the next week, and I respect that. But at the same time, I think it definitely – they could win out, and I think they're still moving on from Bowles. It's just time for an offensive-minded coach. I think fans have had enough. Mm-hmm. And as much as he's a great guy, I think that I'm, – I'm pretty confident they'll move on. I said – I tweeted this out and I wrote about it, saying that if the Jets lost against the Bills the first time at home against Matt Barkley, they should fire Todd Bowles before he gets to the locker room. And they ended up losing that game mm-hmm. by 31, I believe. And and Todd Bowles is still the head coach. I I understand if they don't want to get a head coach in the middle of the season for Sam Darnold's purposes and just start fresh in the offseason, but I 100% agree. They need an offensive-minded coach. They haven't had an offensive-minded coach since, I believe, the mid-'90s. So a change of scenery, a change of pace, and especially an offensive-minded coach going with Sam Darnold, it should be a, it should be a recipe for wins. And on the defensive side, if you could put a good defensive coordinator in there, you shouldn't have any problems. But to your guys' point too, for for coaches and players who are kind of on the bubble, you don't know if they're going to be around next year or not. They're going to be doing their best to to eke wins out, to put the best performance forward on the field. So I don't think that you know Todd Bowles is going to be in line with any plan to tank or mm. any mm. of these guys who are fringe roster players are going to lay down just because their mm. record's not that good this late in the season. I think they're going to give it their all and they as well they should. No, definitely not. The players are never tanking. Their livelihoods are on the line same with the coaches. If they don't show up, that's film that is working either for their next contract or against their next contract. So it's definitely I I doubt that there are ever players who aren't giving it they're all out there. And there was a few years ago where, I think it was two years ago, when Ryan Fitzpatrick was still the quarterback and he was starting to struggle in 2016 towards the end of the season. And Todd Bowles kept throwing them out there, throwing them out there, and all the fans want to see guys like Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg, the young guys. But to Todd Bowles' credit, he believed that Ryan Fitzpatrick gave them the best chance to win a football game, and that's what he was going with with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why in his mind, if he's not, if he doesn't know for certain he's going to be back for next year, why would he start developing young quarterbacks when he's not even going to be here? Now, if the Jets came to Todd Bowles and basically said, look, we'll take you back next year, start developing these quarterbacks, and then that's a reason for you to start playing like Christian Hackenberg and Bryce Petty in that situation. Um, we're lucky as as Jets fans that he's not going with Josh McCown right now and he keeps throwing out Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is a better quarterback, but knowing the mindset of Todd Bowles, I'm surprised he's not making that decision. But he is trying to go out and winning every game now. Yeah, for the Jets, it's going to be interesting uh, to see what they do in the draft. I know most fans have already sort of shifted their mindset to their their, their needs. It's no secret they could use... A running back. I don't see them going and getting a, a top back at the at the head of the draft. Maybe Le'Veon Bell's a name you keep hearing thrown around. He'd command a lot of money, and uh, I could definitely see him wanting to come play in New York. But as for more immediate needs, they need a, a line to support Darnold. They need pass rushers. I think th- those are sort of the most important areas. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they use that top pick. It's going to be somewhere in the top ten on an offensive lineman. Is my bet at this point. That would be a good pick. Right now, the Jets have no running backs. I'm, I'm talking about this week. Obviously, a guy like Bilal Powell went out with that neck injury. His career could be done. But uh, Isaiah Crowell was just listed as um, out for tomorrow's game against the Texans. Trenton Cannon is questionable. So Elijah McGuire is going to have to take most of, the, most of the reps at running back. And that could mean that you might see Sam Darnold throw the ball 
throw the ball a lot more than what he has been doing. And that's exactly what you want to see as a Jets fan. Even if he throws picks down the field, as long as he's throwing it down the field and getting better at that, that's all that matters right now. Because obviously you're out of the playoffs, so who really cares if you uh, win the game? But just... Sam Darnold's progression is the most important thing you get out of these next two games, next three games. Yeah, and this will be a good test on both sides of the ball for the Jets. I mean, the, the Texans have, after that 0-3 start, they've played as well as anybody in the league, nine in, a nine-game winning streak until they lost last week at the Colts. Um, but they also have you know a budding star in their own at quarterback in Deshaun Watson, who's a little inconsistent, but definitely has the ability uh, to be a franchise quarterback. Um, and then you got a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who's, in my opinion, maybe the best wide receiver in all of football. And, of course, on defense, you've got big names like J.J. Watt, Jadavion Clowney. So it'll be a good test on both sides of the ball for the Jets. Lamar Miller, also a better season than I anticipated. I know for a while, or at least last year, I had him in fantasy last year, and everyone was saying, oh, he shouldn't even be the starting back. He's put together a, a decent year, 909 yards, especially on the sort of latter half of the season. Even being an older guy, he's he's been impressive. So. How many like ninety yard rushes does that? Yeah, guy for have real. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it's a little bit. To Every see, time but... I look up, he's running down the mm-hmm. whole field. Yeah. So to, look, no secret that Houston has the better pieces in that matchup against the Jets. But the Jets have surprised this year a, a few games, or especially early in o- October. But I think those days are over, and I think their best hope, as I said in the report, is that maybe you catch tennis uh, ten- the Texans on the road, used to sort of the nicer weather of Texas, and they're they're just mm-hmm. not playing their best in the rainy New York. I don't see any way, and we're going to go through the pick segment, obviously, but I'll, I'll give you already gave your pick. I also believe the Texans are going to win this game. I understand where you're coming from. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be outside in New Jersey in the Meadowlands, but uh, this this Jets team, I know you guys got the win last week against the Bills, but the Texans are they're really good. Like you said, they only lost one game in their last however many games, starting 0 for 3, won those nine in a row, lost against Indianapolis. I don't see them losing two in a row, especially to a Jet, this Jets team. It's a good point, though. It'll tell us a lot about Houston, whether they can go on the road. They're obviously a dome team down in Houston. Whether they can go on the road in a northeast environment where they'll probably have to go in the playoffs, whether it's New England or, or even you know maybe Kansas City, that's a cold environment, or Pittsburgh if they if they get in with a, they probably won't get a better record than Houston. But either way, in the playoffs, you're probably going to have to go on the road in a colder environment. And for a dome team, it's always a test to see if once you're taken out of that controlled weather, controlled atmosphere, if you can perform on the same level that you have been. And that's what everyone brings up with the Saints and Drew Brees. If Drew Brees was outside and didn't play half his games in a dome, would have been, I'm not going to say, would he have a worse career? But statistically speaking, I'm sure he would still be a great quarterback, but playing in those like 20, 30-degree weather games, those are tough to play. Same with Manning, a lot of years in Indianapolis, and then even just full teams like the LA slash San Diego Chargers <laughs> or the LA Rams or you know anybody in a dome it's always a, a test when you go to a non-dome you know place with inclement weather so we'll see if the Texans are built for an AFC playoff run get a little preview of that this week against the Jets but now before we get into our Giants talk we're going to swing it over to Chris Hennessy for Fantasy Duds Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. Quarterback Aaron Rodgers faces a strong Bears defense in Chicago. Doesn't look like a good matchup for him in the middling Packers offense. Judge wide receiver Robbie Anderson had a touchdown last week, but the deep threat doesn't seem to be back. 
Texans have a good defense, and it should be rainy, not not lending itself to a passing game. Indianapolis Colts running back Marlon Mack has been a surprise, but the strength of the Cowboys' defense is their front seven. The Colts will have to attack through the air if they want to beat Dallas. Giants take on the Titans this week, home game for the Giants, and it should be interesting to see, you know, can they continue their winning ways this Sunday as I think the sort of theme of the Giants season when it's all said and done is going to be too little too late. There's no Mm -hmm. question it was a talented team, but just the, the horrific start they got out to made it so that the hole was too deep for them to come out of I think even if they went out and that's going to going to be tough to do on the road against the Colts and then home against the Cowboys 8 and 8 the way the NFC is this year I don't think is going to be good enough for them to get into the playoffs but I I mean signs of life which I think are definitely is definitely a good sign and the most convincing win of the season last week in Washington against the Redskins without Odell so really a lot to take from that to me, they have a great shot against the Titans, and they've just been been playing a lot better as of recently. Yeah, for the Giants, obviously all the fans are saying we can still make the playoffs, we can still make the playoffs at 8-8, eight and eight, but I'm just looking at the teams in front of them right now. The Minnesota Vikings are have the second wild card. They're 6-6-1. Six, six and one. Carolina Panthers, Philadelphia Eagles, Washington Redskins, all 6-7. and seven. Then the Packers, 5-7-1. and one. Tampa Bay, 5-8, and eight, along with the Giants. I don't see the Giants making the playoffs at 8-8 eight and eight and jumping all those teams. If a team does make it at 8-8, eight and eight, I feel like it would be a team like the Vikings or even the Eagles if they could get on this hot streak um, and win the next two out of their last three games. But the Giants and the Tennessee Titans both coming off impressive wins. I know the Jacksonville Jaguars haven't played well this year, but for Tennessee winning 30-9, to Derrick Henry going off like he did with those four touchdowns that he had, that 99-yard run, uh, incredible win. The Giants... Look, I, I, I'll give it to them. They did play Mark Sanchez and James Johnson as, as the Washington Redskins quarterback quarterbacks, and Mark Sanchez basically put up zero quarterback rating, which you like <laughs> rarely ever see. But the Giants, Eli Manning, three touchdowns, had a great game. Saquon Barkley is doing his thing. So impressive win by both teams. Uh Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to part ways from both of you guys. Well, first of all, I'm going to agree that I think any – you know, it's Giants fan who thinks that they are going to make the playoffs is uh, delusional. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as the impressive win last week, I mean, I guess whenever you put up forty points in the NFL, it's a it's a good week. But who were they playing? I mean, mm-hmm. the ghost of Mark Sanchez and someone named Josh Johnson. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll yeah, do Josh res- Johnson. I said James I'll, Johnson. I'll do respect to Josh Johnson. <laughs> like I, they just totally found that guy. You know. <laughs> just sitting at home waiting for Christmas to come. That's right. And same with Mark Sanchez. I mean, they're on, like, their fourth quarterback of the year. They've got, you know, old Adrian Peterson back there. Uh, The defense, I mean, I've never seen holes like that defense gave up to Saquon Barkley. You know, it's great jukes from Saquon, but you could drive a Ram van through those holes. I mean, like, (laughs) Ha Ha Clinton Dix was nowhere near the guy. And same with DJ Swearinger when he's coming through the line. I mean, it was just a pathetic 
performance from the Washington Redskins, um, which I guess is to be expected at this point. But um, and, and same for the Titans. I mean, they had a, a really nice win on that Thursday night over the Jaguars. Again, a, a blowout win, thirty to nine. But I don't know what it really tells me now that Jacksonville has totally packed it in. They've they've given up. You know, mm-hmm. their season ended after week two when they beat the Patriots and <laughs> and seemingly celebrated their Super Bowl win after that week. Since then, it's been all downhill from there. Obviously, some some turbulent quarterback play for the Jaguars, and their defense is has a lot of attitude. That it seems like they've kind of checked out because they really know you know what the end result is going to be with this season. So I don't know how impressive it really was from the Titans. Obviously, Derrick Henry opened some eyes with his performance, but I mean, besides that, I don't I don't really know what to glean from that. So. I'm not sure I'm buying into either of these teams making the playoffs, but certainly I think Tennessee has a, a better chance. Uh, and I will just reiterate my point that I've made on previous NFL Fridays that I don't know if Saquon Barkley was the right choice. And as special as he is, I don't know what he's going to bring to the Giants franchise going forward in, in terms of like ultimate success. I think he's doing everything he can this year to he prove, is, he is. prove that right. he was the the right pick. Last week especially, he's been, without a doubt, the best player on the Giants roster throughout this season. And sort of going off of that point, I think that the worst, sort of in the long run, the worst thing that this Giants team can do is have Eli, for these last three weeks, have sort of above-average weeks and then trick management and ownership into thinking, hey, he, he still mm-hmm. has football left in him. Because, yeah, he does have a little bit of football left mm-hmm. in him, but... He was so bad at, at the start of the season. Yeah, let's not fool ourselves into thinking that they, it's still an immediate need that they need to, and I think they know that, that they need a quarterback for the future. But if Eli has, uh, you, you know, he hasn't had a bad second half of the season, but that can easily, you know, if you're not looking at the whole situation, that thought can turn into, again, pushing off that need for a quarterback, which is the Giants' top need along with a line at this point. And if you look at the numbers, just just out there from the season for Eli Manning. His completion percentage is at 67 around that, best of his career. He has eight interceptions, which is the fewest, I believe, since his rookie year where he had nine. Uh, and then that was in like nine games or whatever when he took over for Kurt Warner. But his quarterback rating is one of the best of his career at 95%. Um, and at 95.8. And looking at the, the, the Giants offense right now, since week 10, they have the fourth best points per game total in the NFL behind the Chiefs, Saints, and Rams. So they're up there with offense. They're winning games. Now, I want to ask you guys this. Do you guys believe Eli Manning will be the starting quarterback on opening day next year for the Giants? Because the way I look at it is this. You could go out and get a quarterback, but he might he might not be ready. And if the Giants keep winning games, your draft position is going to drop. And I know uh, everyone's talking about Haskins uh, as a potential to fall in the draft and go to the Giants, but if he's the quarterback, and you have him and Eli Manning, are you still going to go with Eli Manning in the opening day? I say he probably is mm-hmm. their their week one quarterback next year, and you know maybe he should be with if they do what they should do, which is start to you know th- first of all select a a quarterback um, mm-hmm. early in the draft, and then start to really bring him along, develop him behind a veteran. So I say yes, especially you know given the the way the last couple of years has uh, played out and their loyalty to Eli. Um, which I don't, you know, I think was probably mistaken, but mm-hmm. I think that it would be smart to, to keep him around just as a, you know, stopgap for the time being until that next guy blossoms into 
a starting caliber quarterback that you want to invest your franchise in. Um, but it's a great point, Vinny, that if he plays well these last few weeks, it should not delude Cowboys, uh, Cowboys Giants fans and Giants uh, ownership and front office into thinking that he has a few more years left in him because he really doesn't and he really hasn't for a while now. And even even though he is putting up maybe you know on paper some of his best stats of his career, I would be interested to see where those rank in the league because um, I know you know other quarterbacks, Tom Brady for instance. People are like, oh, he's not really falling off. He's putting up some great completion percentages and and stuff like that but uh you know a 67 percent completion percentage a few years ago is like oh that's great that's elite that's top five or whatever now it's really middle of the pack because everybody's caught up everybody's playing that much better with whether it's uh the defenses being not being allowed to do what they used to be able to do um or other changes that have happened in the league uh those those numbers on paper just you know our eyes tell us that oh that's great you know based on what we know but if you compare it to the rest of the league it might not be as good as it looks so i do think that the cat the giants i don't know why i keep saying Cowboys, <laughs> but the giants really need to invest in the quarterback position going forward because eli is not the answer long term yeah to answer Dom's question there just quickly i agree that eli will probably be the guy next year and even if the whether they go haskins or greer i don't think either of those guys is particular I mean, the Giants won't – I don't think the Giants will waste the first-round pick if they don't see either of those guys being their franchise quarterback. You know, the the reason they've held on to Eli for 15 years is because they're so picky with who they mm. want to be their franchise quarterback. Imagine they go into this draft, though, and not pick a quarterback. Yeah, the fans uh, would lose it. Oh, my goodness. I just think next year, the the class, the Tua's class and Fromm from Georgia, I, I like those guys better than the class this year, so they may hold out another year, but – it should, it should definitely be on their mind, and it it definitely is. Just to to a first round pick in the NFL is gold. So they and they ha- it's not like they have don't have any other holes on the team. So if they go to the lineman, I wouldn't be upset as a Giants fan, but I definitely think there's pressure on them to take a quarterback. They just want to make sure it's the right guy. Even if it's not through the draft, they should probably look into. You know, yeah, Derek free, Carr free agents. or someone else. Yeah, yeah. who or and Derek even, Carr might be available. Yeah, or Oakland or trade. trades for guys who are on teams and need a, a new you know change of scenery. <laughs> so I think that they, regardless of whether it's it's a first round draft pick or something else, they should bring in a quarterback uh, from outside the organization, unless they you know believe in Kyle Laletta, Which, if you look at what happened in the fourth do. quarter of Sunday, <laughs> I don't know who who believes in him right now, but. Uh, definitely look into bringing a quarterback in. And this is kind of the opposite of what we were talking about with the Jets earlier. As a Giants fan, you know, do you actually want to win? Because you have, you have the opposite. You have an aging quarterback who is leaving his prime, who is probably going to be done sooner rather than later. And you do need that next guy, and you do need as high a pick as, as you can get, probably. And the real quick, the whole Saquon Barkley thing. The Giants, yes, you got your running back. That's great. He's a great running back in Saquon Barkley, but you're never going to win with him if you don't have a quarterback. And that's the draft last year had all those quarterbacks, like exactly. at least four exactly. quarterbacks that can be franchise um, position players in this in this league. And I understand Sam Darnold's getting off to a slow start and Giants fans like to poke fun of Jets fans saying that uh, Saquon's a better player than Darnold, but give it time. I really do think Sam Darnold's going to be most important to the Jets rather than Saquon to the Giants, because by the time they get a quarterback, you never know where Saquon's going to be in his career. it's usually easier for running backs to transition to the mm-hmm. NFL oh, than, than uh, quarterbacks from the college level. I have a trade proposal for you. Let's hear so, it. So, 
John Elway has been known to like Justin Herbert out of Oregon. He's been scouting him a lot. Everybody says, oh, Denver, John Elway likes Herbert. So the Giants trade their, call it 10th overall pick, to Denver for Case Keenum and their tenth and their call it seventeenth overall pick. Giants have Case Keenum because they don't like anybody in this draft. Denver gets Justin Herbert. I thought you were gonna say no. Prescott, man. I was waiting for <laughs> no, Prescott to no, I Prescott. was like, I'm doing it in a second. Uh, no. Case because Ke- Case Keenum will be your one year solution to bridge the gap to Tua slash from because that they don't seem to like anybody in this draft. Yeah, I mean he's shown he can be a starting quarterback if if but here's the thing, is he is it worth it for if it's just gonna be a sort of one year fix like glue guy, glue guy would you really trade that high a pick for it? For me, for me, it's a no because I'm not a huge Keenum fan, and I don't think he's the answer for the future. But it's it's intriguing. Why not also, trade Eli? Give Elway another Manning, you know? Uh, move on from Eli. They have a little Eli Justin Herbert action in Denver. I don't I don't know. Just from the Giants' perspective, just try and get uh, a new quarterback and then take away the Eli controversy altogether. Maybe I think if anybody says no, it's Denver. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think yeah. I think the Giants fans would do that in a heartbeat. But Denver, I th- I thought of it the other day. I thought it was interesting. Would Would Denver trade Case Keenum for Justin Herbert? I think John Elway has proven that he'll do pretty much anything to yeah. to get his team to be better. I think it it comes down to loyalty and and kind of those other intangible factors, just as much as it comes down to draft position and you know the next quarterback. Definitely going to be a lot of questions to be answered for the Giants and trade proposals coming their way since they have so many pieces and probably a pretty good draft pick in the offseason. But for now, three games left and the playoffs still in sight, so it should be fun to see what happens if they win those out. I know Giants fans will be happy if they sneak in. Before we get to our pick segment, it's time for our last fantasy hit with Chris Hennessy. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. Bills quarterback Josh Allen looks for a third straight strong week against the lackluster Lions defense at home. The Lions can score, and Josh Allen will have to keep pace if the Bills want to get this victory. Adrian Peterson, as the guys mentioned, will be playing behind Josh Johnson at quarterback against the Jacksonville defense that led up a record day to Derrick Henry last week. Adrian Peterson will be the featured player on the Redskins' offense. Vance McDonald, Steelers tight end, looks to get a lot of targets against New England this week because Pittsburgh will most likely be playing from behind, and Ben will have to spread the ball around with the potential absence of James Cock. All right, so with the fantasy stuff behind us, it's time to get into the Pick'em segment as I pull up this slate of games for this week. We'll start with the Saturday games that we, we talked a bunch about yesterday. First at 4.30, first week of Saturday games. I'm going Texans over Jets. Yeah, we already said this before. I'm also going to go with the Texans over the New York Jets. I just don't think the Jets can compete with the 9-4 Texans. Got the Texans. You don't win pick'ems by picking the Jets. Give me the Texans. All right, Browns-Broncos, this one in Denver, also Saturday night game. Uh, Browns on the road, but the Broncos haven't looked good lately. I'll go Browns. I'm actually going to agree with you. I'm going to go with the Browns, too. Baker Mayfield, baby. Let's go. Oh, I, I'm going to go Browns, too. Maybe we'll all be wrong. Who knows? <laughs> I'll go Denver. All right, Ca- cards at Falcons. Give me the Falcons at home. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Falcons. I just don't think the Arizona Cardinals are a good football team right now. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. I got the Falcons too, but watch out for Chase Edmonds. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, the Falcons are a better team than the Cardinals, significantly better, more than the records say. I'll take the Falcons at home. 
Lions at Bills. The Bills have been pretty good football team second half of the season. I'll go Bills. The Bills just lost to the Jets, I know, but I'm still going to go with the Bills at home against the Lions. Can I go with neither? No, I'm going to go. <laughs> I'll go Bills. You guys talked about it. Indoor team playing outdoors. I'll take the Bills. Packers at Bears. Packers don't have much to play for at this point. I'm going Bears. Yeah, I'm going to go with the 9-4 Bears at home as well. I, just, I love Aaron Rodgers, but I just don't think this is a season. Obviously, Packers in a down year, but I think still rivalry game. Bears got to prove it. I'm going with Chicago at home. We saw what Chicago's defense did to the Rams. I'll do it to the Packers. Raiders at Bengals. This is a game I don't want to pick either team. I'll go Raiders in a slight upset on the road. I'm actually going to go with the Raiders as well. I just don't think the Bengals. I believe they lost four in a row since Hugh Jackson came over to the team from the Browns. Oakland Raiders, they got a good win last week against Pittsburgh. I'm going with them. Mm, that's me making me rethink it, putting the uh, Hugh Jackson element in play. Yeah, but great. I'm going to go with Bengals at home. <laughs> this is the Hugh Jackson Bowl, former head coach of the Raiders <laughs> as well. Uh, Raiders. All right, Cowboys-Colts might be – this is a sleeper for game of the week. Um, Cowboys' defense has looked so good lately. But I'm going to go Colts. In a, I guess they're the favorite. Yeah, I'll go Colts. Yeah, I'm actually going to go with the Colts, too, at home. I like the Dallas Cowboys who just beat Philadelphia last week in overtime. But I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts who just got the win against the Houston Texans. Cowboys defense looks really good recently, but I'm going to go with the Colts. I don't fully buy in on Dallas yet. I don't fully buy in on Dallas either, but this is the week I'm going to. Give me Dallas. Dolphins at Vikings after the miracle of Miami last week. Dolphins are on the road. I'll go Vikings. I'm actually going to go with the Miami Dolphins. Coming off that big win against the Patriots, I'm going to go with Miami at 7-6. Going to go Vikings at home. Big game for them. they got to win it to, to really stay in that NFC playoff picture. I'm going Vikings. Dolphins stink on the road, 1-5, so I'll take the Vikings. Titans-Giants at the Meadowlands. I think the Giants are going to continue their hot streak. Give me the Giants. I'm going to go with the Giants as well. I really like this offense right now. Eli Manning's playing um, elite status. I did say it, elite status. New York Giants over the Tennessee Titans. Give me the Titans. The middling Jets offense did things against this Titans defense on the road. They stink. I'll take the Giants. Redskins-Jags, another awful game. After what I saw from the Redskins last week, i got to go Jags. I'm actually going to go with the Jags, too. The Redskins, I don't care who they have in at quarterback. I don't think they could beat Jacksonville. Yeah, the Redskins season ended a few weeks ago when they lost Alex Smith. I'm going to go Jaguars, too. Four for four. Jags. Buccaneers-Ravens in Baltimore. Two very up-and-down teams this year, but the Ravens have been better throughout. Give me Ravens. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Ravens as well. I know um, Joe Flacco's not going to play anymore. He's done in his career at Baltimore, but Lamar Jackson, I'm going to go with the Ravens. Ravens really probably should have won last week in Kansas City. Uh, definitely going with them at home against the Bucks this week. Another bad road team, 1-5 on the road for the Bucks. I'll take the Ravens. Seahawks 49ers in San Francisco. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Seahawks, especially at this time of the season. They always heat up right around now. Beware of the Seahawks in the playoffs. Give me the Seahawks. I'm, gonna, I'm also going to go with the Seahawks. They're 8-5. and five. The 49ers can't really win a game. I know they won last week against Denver, but the Seahawks are a better football team. Taking the Seahawks. Seattle. All right, Pats-Steelers. Pats on the road. This is a big-time game. Two great franchises. Steelers probably have more to play for, but I like the Pats. Both of these teams lost last week. I'm going to go with the Patriots, though. They never lose two in a row. 
except for earlier this year when they lost to the Lions. Generally, the they Jags. don't lose two in a row. <laughs> uh, this game, I mean, I mentioned that I'm a Patriots fan earlier. It worries me. Pittsburgh coming off of three straight losses. They're at home. They're going to be hungry trying to eke out a playoff spot. Uh, and the Patriots coming off a soul-crushing loss. But I'm going to go with the Patriots. Otherwise, I think it's maybe an end of an era. <laughs> The Patriots can cruise to AFC's championships from now until the end of time. The Steelers are playing for something. I'll take Pittsburgh. All right, Eagles-Rams, this one in L.A. Give me the Eagles big. No, sorry, Rams big. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams as well. 11-2, Jared Goff have an MVP-type season. I'm going to go with them. Eagles got their season on the line, but in L.A., I'm going with the Rams. The Rams might win this game by more than 20 points. And then finally, Saints at Panthers Monday night. Saints haven't been playing their best football recently, but I think they snap back into it. Give me Saints on the road. I'm going to go with the Saints as well. I'm tempted to pick the Panthers, but they're pretenders. I'm going Saints. Also tempted to pick the Panthers. I'm taking New Orleans. All right, guys, great stuff. That'll do it for this week, NFL Friday. Be sure to tune in next week again for Dom Capone, Brendan O'Connell, Chris Hennessy, and Brianna Leverty producing. I'm Vinny DeBellis. This has been NFL Friday.